Hey everybody, just a heads up, this is an interview that Ralph and I did with our friend Lauren Fear. She did an amazing thing, took her whole family during the pandemic, got off the grid, traveled all around the United States, an amazing story. But what you may notice is that it's a little dated. So if you're thinking to yourself, hey, when exactly is this from? You're right on track. Enjoy. You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but never limit us. Yeah, we talk about surfing, stand-up comedy, religion, family issues, pop rocks, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. Welcome everybody, thanks for tuning in to You'll Never Believe This. Jamie had a great idea uh, to talk about today. And to start it off, I want to ask you, Jamie, would you rather never go on a vacation again in your life or never come back to your home? Oof. Um, oh, wow. That is a, that is a good question. Um, I would have to say that if I had to make the choice, I, I mean, we're about to move into a no home. I, I might have to say that just stay home and never go on a vacation again. How about you, Ralph? Would you go on a vacation a or would what? you stay home? What are you moving A new into? house. A new home. Oh, a new home. But what yeah, if that we're, home we're, turns we're, we're moving. Hmm. So, okay. So what if, what if the, um, the vessel in which you were only vacationing on was done by exhibit in a Pimp My Ride episode? And it was like a sweet like home on wheels, but you just had that, that you were moving around forever. Would that be better than being at your new house? Oh my God. I, I don't know. Personally, just thinking about being in a close, in any closer quarters than I'm already presently in with my four children just drives me crazy. I just, I don't even know if I could deal with it. I, I, it's too much. It's just too much. You? So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm quite a homebody. Uh, I do have a wanderlust though. Like I need some balance in my life where I need to get away and check out and um, just be on the road and seeing and doing new things kind of gives me new life. And I, it's tough. I think I would probably pick home just because of the creature comforts would outweigh it. Uh, but there'd always be some longing for to like to travel or take a break or go somewhere. I mean, sidebar question. Can you live out of a suitcase? I, I have such trouble living out of a suitcase. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was fine. That I need to... I've done it for like a month in, in, in currently like, you know, in my forties, but um, uh, yeah, only up to a month after that, it would just be a, a nightmare. It'd be chaos. But in, you know, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I'd live out of the suitcase for like all summer. So three months at a time, I was just living out of suitcases. It's amazing. Like and never what you, uh, succumb to and just kind of own as life's norm when you're younger and you don't you don't care so much and you don't have so many I kids feel like, yeah, exactly that's what i was gonna say when you don't have so many people sort of like with so much stuff in all the bag you know what i mean and you can just find your underpants pretty easily it's a different story than when like you know you're looking around going whose socks are these i can't i can't find, like where's my stuff i feel like we do have a bit. modern suitcase though because there's always laundry being done and some you know, all, all parts of the cycle. So there's like clean laundry on the couch. And so instead of going into the closet where it's all nicely folded and hung, I have to go onto the couch and rifle through underwear of 
five different sizes and pants and figure out which That's ones true. are mine. So that is the modern uh, suitcase. It's the family man suitcase for sure. Oh, but tell everybody it's how true. this, how this idea came up talking about um, oh. travel and getting off the grid and all that. Right. So I, I started reading a book. It's called Scratching the Horizon, A Surfing Life uh, by Israel Poskowitz. Now, for those of people out there who might recognize that name, maybe the Poskowitz name, Poskowitz name rings a little bell. Um, they are like a surfing uh, royalty in a sense that they um, were just known to be this family who during the 70s, um, there were nine children, two parents, and they all of a sudden decided uh, not even like they made a pronouncement about it, but they just picked up one day and got into the caravan that they had and they never came back. Um, and the father, the, the father figure of the family was a doctor um, and they spent um, the greater part of their life until, you know, the kids, I mean, until they were able to sort of move on and find places to go and things to do and jobs and such, they lived out of this caravan and every day they went to the beach and they played and it, I mean, literally there was no, from what I read, there's no schooling. They didn't do schooling and they just lived out of this camper. And it was nine kids and two people in one camper. I can't, I'm just, it's giving me a, a panic attack. Just there's thinking no, about it, there's but. no camper big enough. So you're reading this book. Why, why is that story so compelling of, you know, essentially a family just living on the road? Why is that interesting at all to, to write and also read a book? So I think most people uh, get into the story because they, uh, at least this is how they pitched it. They did made a documentary as well. And in the documentary, they said um, that there were sort of very little inhibitions. I'm going to do this in a clean version where you could, you know, the parents were doing their thing in their, there's no room. So I'm just going to say in their space and the kids were part of that and heard that. And it was very sort of traumatic for them. That becomes like the sort of pitch for the movie, I think. But but what's interesting, what was really an, a, sort of an intriguing question to me was uh, first on the base, on the personal level, like you said, how could I get away? Could I just say like, okay, you know what? I don't think that society's doing this right. Um, I don't think they're teaching my kids the right thing. I'm just going to you know, we're, I'm just going to take off. I'm going to go and I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to teach my kids whatever I teach them. Um, and, and on, I'm sort of saying like, let's leave aside the fact that it's too cramped a space, but say it was a not so cramped a space. Could you take your kids and just go? Could you just say, I'm going to go now. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to be part of this grind. Could you do it? I probably could. But what I'm trying to get at is why is it interesting? Like what, why would you want to do that? Why would anyone want to uh, do what? that? Well, so, so I think, well, in sort of the one step back, I guess, is in, I think all surfers have that sort of, uh, I don't know what I call it, innate, but have this sort of desire to, like the dream is to get out of there, go on the road, find a wave that no one else has found or surfed, and you and maybe a couple of buddies, that's it. You're on your own. You're in a remote place where no one else is, and you're not part of anything. You're not part of the, the, the churn and grind around you or even far away from you. And you're doing your own thing. That's part of, that's like surf culture, I think. So is that what it and is so for, for you or just for surf culture? What is it for you? For me, um, it, it definitely has that allure of surf culture. I think, you know, from the times of the endless summer, I mean, that was my first surf movie was the endless summer. And the whole point of the movie was they decided to, to you know, follow the summer around the world and just surf the whole way around and find the perfect wave. And that, I think for every surfer, once you sort of saw that, you went, that's, you got that bug for like, 
oh my God, I can just pick up, go and find something that no one else has found and be part of something that no one else has been part of and be completely isolated. Mm. And there's something really, I mean, for me, there's something really attractive about that. Yeah, I think there's a, there's an essence. So for me personally, I think there is something about checking out that's desirable, like, like just fully turning off the phone, not needing internet or the 24 hour news cycle, or, you know, kind of that contact, there's something about that that's liberating from everything else. I think we, we buy into this, um, kind of grind that, you know, makes us do things that we just take as norm that aren't fulfilling or um, helpful for us. And so there is a need to just check out, um, you know, and you talk about it in the surf culture about the search for, you know, the isolation and the great wave. But I think for a lot of people, it's, yeah, there's a search for something greater, but also just getting away from not, you know, there's a getting to something, but there's also a getting away from what is, what's holding us, you know, right now, what's keeping us from experiencing something even more greater and more liberating. I think we were talking a bit off the record earlier about childhood and how in childhood you're, you're just so free and liberating and you don't know what's happening next. You're just fully present and in the moment. And, and for a lot of people, that's what, you know, taking an RV out for three months is like, or, um, or, you know, totally getting off the grid, deleting their Facebook account you know, there's something about checking out and trying to find like being fully present with what is right in front of you, like what's truly valuable. I think a lot of people find that um, they are successful in life, but at what expense, you know, is their family, uh, do they not feel connected with their family at the expense of making six figures? Are they uh, incredibly notable in the community at the expense of having integrity or enjoying their own hobbies and, you know, alone time? Uh, we were talking about celebrities, right? Being, being like sort of um, noticed and recognized wherever you go in the world. Yeah, they're celebrities and they make millions making these movies, but they get no free time when they're at a restaurant, you know? And I think right. everyone's right. kind of, there's this, there's this kind of thing about, about getting off grid that's both about checking out but also checking into what's truly valuable and important. Uh, and so this, the, yeah, the Paskowitz family is kind of the, they're like uh, kind of these uh, lesser known uh, celebrities who made it work, right? And I think a lot of us go, oh, I'd love to do that, but I can't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And could you really, like what, 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 would, what would be the cost for you if you, yeah. I mean, let's, so there's something about you, it sounds like that you desire this, but there's something that, feels like it's holding you back. What do you, what do you think's keeping you from actually doing this? If the money weren't an right. issue, right. If money weren't an issue. And I guess if uh, my children's education and future weren't an issue, thank God that I think the Paskowitz family are, are doing fine. Um, but the, uh, I think the biggest issue here, and, and, it, and it's something I struggled with for a long time <clears throat> was how my religion inter- intertwines with who I am and what I do. I think when I was you know, in college, leaving college, I was very happy, um, maybe even before that, in rural settings. I was happy to be, um, like, that's, I think, what I loved about Rhode Island. It really felt like, and that's, if, for those who are just joining us, that's where Ralph and I met, was at the University of Rhode Island. But um, the being in Rhode Island was an amazing experience for me because it had all these sort of remote, um, isolated corners to it. And I was able to sort of 
find what I wanted to do and not feel like I was in a hustle bustle of a big city, which I never really, uh, really connected with. And then as I started to become uh, uh, more committed to my religion, um, I, I sort of saw that these two things uh, really don't don't mesh. There are a lot of uh, uh, religious requirements that we have as Jews, which don't let you completely, you know, check out off the grid. I'll give you an example, right? That that one of the things, one of the teachings we have in the in the ethics of the fathers says altifrosh minatzibur, which just is a very blanket statement, which means you're not allowed to leave the community. It's just not okay to leave the community. You have to be Ever? part of the community. Ever or for how long? That's of value. Well, I don't think it means you can never, ever leave the community. I don't think that's what it means, but it means there is a, an ultimate value of being a contributing person to the Jewish, uh, what do you want to call it? Machine, whatever you want to call it. Being part of a Jewish community is of ultimate value. Um, but there are things very technical, not, I don't think very technical, but very basic things that um, you have, you usually almost always like want to be part of a prayer group when you're praying. That's like a, an ideal. Um, and then it becomes that when I'm not part of a, what's called a minion, when I'm not part of a prayer group, I, there are certain things I can't say or do. There, there are things like there are certain things that I, certain parts of the prayers I can't say. Um, one of the most important being, and that's where this sort of all intertwines is there's a special prayer that we say called the Kaddish when you lose uh, a loved one. I think you're pronouncing um, it wrong, so but go ahead and continue. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, the, the, the prayer, the prayer is called the Kaddish and it, it's, <clears throat> it's called the mourner's prayer. And the mourner's prayer is something which it, it, I think the rabbis, when they were structuring all this made it so that you could not say that prayer. If you were not part of a community, if you weren't part of 10, if to some 10 men, to some 10 men and women, um, but you, you could never just be on your own on the side of a hill and say that prayer. It's not supposed to be said alone. Now there's, I mean, you can go through all the reasons of why, but basically it, it leaves you in this sort of lurch of how do I experience um, the day of rest? How do I experience all these things that we do as a community? If I were to just pick up with my family and go, it would be a very different life. So you for, couldn't for, just go to another synagogue temple in another community and say, Hey, I'm, I'm on vacation. Can I join you? Hundred percent, you can do that. No, that is completely acceptable. Meaning, what's what many people point out is is an amazing thing is um, the prayers are so codified and so uh, universal that I can go to a place where I don't even speak the same language. I can go to France. I can go to Germany, and the prayers that will be happening in that synagogue are the same. But I can't go to a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and decide this is my home. I am thousands of miles away from anybody else. And have the same experience, the same religious experience. I just can't do all those things that I would do if I was part of a community. <coughs> and so does that, I mean, it's, okay, so that's, that's kind of the law. What are the penalties? What are the, you know, are they going to spank you? What, what's going to happen? <laughs> Some people would say, hopefully. Um, no, but the, uh, as far as. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> um, it's not, it's not as if you're being punished. I'll give you an example. Um, the, the, when it comes to saying Kaddish, right? Um, I am meant to, when, let's say, God forbid one day I, it, it will happen, but God forbid I lose my mother or father, right? When I lose my mother or father, I am in a sense expected, I'm going to put it in some sort of quotes to say that prayer of, uh, the mourner's Kaddish. I'm supposed to say it three times a day. 
Now, there are people who I know who I'm sure there's many people who I don't know who, when it comes that time that they you know, have lost a, a loved one, they have to say it for 11 months, they don't go on vacation or they go to only, will only go on vacation where they know there's a synagogue close by. They can't like say, I'm going to go to Vail, you know, this, this ski season, because they would miss all those days that they were in Vail. They wouldn't be able to say that prayer. And they've sort of, they have to say that prayer in their own temple, not necessarily in their own temple, but they can't say it by themselves. Right. If I went off with my nuclear family and we stayed in a hotel with no other Jews, what happens? I want to know the Holy of Holies. What happens in the inner circle if they don't, I mean, if they don't, I mean, this is, this is, a law, what's the punishment? What's the other side of this? Punishment, see, that's so, that's so funny because it's punishment stuff gets so, it's so hard to talk about punishments because number one, punishments really only existed when we had a temple and we had a, what's called a Sanhedrin, which was a, uh, the Jewish religious court. And we don't have that anymore. In those days, yeah, you, you know, there are things that if you did or didn't do, you would get flogged. You would get, you know, spanked with like a stick, right? Um, and that that did happen. Nowadays, it's sort of like, um, I think you end up with Jewish mother's guilt, all, like you feel it on your shoulder. Like the there's worst. a little more than that, like, and that is the worst. I'd rather but be the, flogged. But really, <laughs> if I had to choose, I would rather get forty lashes. But the um, but the truth is, th- there's definitely this sense of obligation. Like when you when you are a child and you, you lose a parent, this is something you feel very seriously that you need to do. I don't know if people. I haven't like interviewed people and said, what do you feel at the end of the day. If you missed one of those prayers, do you feel like when you get before the, the Almighty, you're going to get a little talking to? Like, remember that Tuesday when you were late to get to, to synagogue and you, you couldn't say that prayer? You know, you're in trouble. I don't think it's like that. But people take this, this very seriously. And, and by the way, that's what becomes, even though I might not be saying the mourner's prayer, I also feel this obligation to go to the synagogue because I need to be one of the people that makes up the 10 so that that person can say the mourner's prayer when they're in mourning. Okay. So I'll let you like, off the hook. So it sounds like there's a big, a big communal <laughs> obligation here. No, no. I mean, I think they're all very legitimate. There's a communal obligation and a sense of, um, you know, your, your, your duty to uphold the religion in which you're you're a part of and that makes you know good sense i think that we don't necessarily have that in christianity and especially for lutherans we have the law but the law for us mm-hmm. um has three uses it's it's to kind of hold um to to view ourselves in light of a perfect god to help mm-hmm. keep us from doing evil but then also to move us towards you know what is authentic uh, godliness. What's what's the perfect godly life? And so it's not often the laws. And what 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 we say is that you know anytime religion gets in the way of our experience of Christ, um, it's it's not part of you know what God wants of that religion. And all religions have seen some sense of abuse or overuse. And I'm not saying this is what you're having, but um, mm. some some laws that are put into place or some guidelines that people go, well, that's going to get in the way of my spirituality of my sense of, you know, connection with God. There's, you know, there's, there's uh, millions of ways people feel that connection or know that connection with God. And not all are the same. But I think sometimes our religion gets in the way of, you know, people's true experience, and then people throw the whole, the whole thing away, you know, and and so for some folks, um, you know, getting off the grid for three months, going and traveling and still finding ways to 
you know, that's, you know, for me, feeling that freedom from obligation and that call to go surfing, that would be a real, like godly spiritual experience. And if anybody told me, well, we're going to kick you out of church or, or, you know, defrock you or excommunicate (laughs) you or take away your pastorship, (laughs) I would say, well, then you're getting in the way of, you know, the full, the gospel, we call it, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ that came to save you and free you from the, 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 that which binds you um, and the sin that, you know, that's in the It's interesting. I can remember though, when I was first starting to um, figure out that I wanted to be a rabbi, there was, I, I was like, okay, now that I want to be a rabbi, part of my life is, is going to a prayer service twice a day, right? So I pray three times a day, once in the morning, twice in the afternoon and evening. And they sort of keep the afternoon and evening together. And I said, okay, I, I guess I came to the rabbi who I was uh, at his shul as I was making these decisions. And I said, okay, I guess that's it, right? Like I can't go surfing anymore. And he said, he said exactly what you said, right? Are you kidding? He said, of course, that's not the, that's not the answer to this problem. Like you have to figure, a way, figure out a way to surf, you know what I mean? And keep that as part of your life. You can either pray by yourself, whatever, you know, whatever it takes. So I, I said, oh, okay. So this isn't like a black and white thing, but I, I mean, there has to be, right. There has to be something. Is there nothing that like, um, I don't know, can you, uh, would it be better not to go on your surf, your ski trip or your surf trip over Christmas Eve? Cause it's really like, you know, there's midnight mass or whatever. I don't know. Is there anything where you would say, okay, yes, take your three months, but we really would love you to be in church now. I don't think so. I think, I think that there's, um, there's an honest sense that most of the issues for us, most of the issues that we create um, are sort of fabricated for protection. Um, So if I said, so what Jamie's referring to for those listening is um, I, we were talking before that, that uh, every seven years I earn a sabbatical, it's three months totally off. Um, but I have to do propose, you know, how I'm going to, you know, learn, grow, expand and be useful for the church, but that could be totally checking out and taking a break. And so, um, I think any excuse that I would have not to take it as something I make up like, oh, well, Easter's coming and the church needs me. The church needs me to be my healthiest and best self that needs me to grow and learn and connect to God so that I am, you know, fully, uh, engaged more than it needs me to be the one preaching. I think God can get anybody to um, to do God's work, but it has to be someone who's connected to God. So if me taking three months off over Christmas or Easter or a capital campaign, you know, obviously within uh, within within reason and expectation, you know, if, if I'm leading that campaign, I probably shouldn't take time off. But <laughs> right. But I think it's just like some of the other issues we make up not to take vacation or not to get away in an RV. It's like, well, what about the kids in school? Uh, well, there's homeschooling. There's, um, you know, take a gap year or whatever. What's what's the worst thing that can happen if your kids take a year off school and have the experience right. of a lifetime? You know, money is another issue. Like we have all these obligations. Well, have you really looked at you know, do we need to keep our Verizon contract up? Do we need to keep our cable bill? Do we need to, you know, how how important is this um, home for us? Um, if you remember Rich Curtis, we interviewed him um, about his book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life a while ago. And in his book, he interviews a family that um, began to see 
value in everything based on amount of time it would take from their family. So they said that, yeah. that, that all currency is about how much time they get to spend with their family. And so if, um, you know, if, if, uh, if they're invited to some event and they're like, well, we, we're not really close to these people anyways. And it's just about, you know, getting, getting in, uh, getting a good reputation in with the uh, homeowners association or the country club, but we have to get a babysitter for our kids for three hours. It's not worth it. Those three hours are more valuable to spend with our kids. And so what they did was they took all issues that they had, religion, money, expectations, uh, um, notoriety, that kind of stuff. And they weighed them against, you know, how much time is this taking from our family? Is it really worth it to take three hours from being all together to do this? And they even did that with work and money. And they said, you know what, we don't, you know, this is how much we need to be the best family we possibly can all these other options that come up are going to take away from that. And so unless we want to, you know, to buy a new thing or take another vacation, we're not going to do those extra things and make that extra money because our family is the most valuable. And I think that that's telling of whatever, you know, whatever issues. So to get back to swing that back to your question, there's, there's no punishment that people could give me for being away if it were ultimately more spiritually valuable and connective to the things that are a very true and higher priority in life. You know, like I think we have to even be humble enough to say even our religion sometimes gets in the way of the connection to God that people have. And that's, that's tough. I mean, I've had to apologize to people because of things I've done that have distracted from their relationship to God and say, I never realized, you know, I've never, I, I never knew that your, um, you know, pe- some people ask consistently every year, every couple of months. I mean, people will say, well, how come we don't have more silence in worship? And I, I would say something like, you want me to get together a crowd of 400 people to be silent. It just doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> well, at least do the I, rain thing, right? Where you go, yeah, like, exactly. Have the rain, <laughs> some like humming maybe. <laughs> Can we have the, the singing bowl? But what I realized in meditation was that silence is a deeper, more rich, full experience of God, more rich, more richer experience of God, if we really, if we really see it that way. If we see that the goal isn't to get through all the stuff we've planned, but to experience God. Again, if the goal is to be with your family, if the goal is to um, check out from the stress and the issues that are happening in your life, then maybe those things are more godly than... Uh, than, than having to do what you're told you have to do. Um, that's what, so that's kind of our perspective on the law. If we, you know, if we kind of water down the Jewish Judaic law with kind of how the, uh, how Christians see law and gospel, that's, that's how I would say that. So interesting um, because I feel like, hold yeah, on a sec. Is Lauren pop is Lauren popping on right now? Hello. Thanks for joining us. It's good to see you. It's my wow. pleasure to see you both. I'm honored to be a part of uh, today's discussion and connect with you after 20 years. You know, I think Jamie actually has more hair on his head now than he did back in our college days. So yeah. that's scary. How did, yeah. How's that possible? Great. <laughs> he, he used to say it was so he could swim faster, but he would never swam. Yeah, no one believed that. No. No. It's like You're... a new duck diving technique to get under the waves faster. Nah, that, Is that, that why you... Is that why your head's so pointy too? Did you did you like trim it that way, or is that 
Yeah, I wanted, you know, I wanted the pointy look. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah like, like nice. a porpoise. Anyway, we yeah. invited oh. Lauren because we thought she had some um, profound and interesting stuff to say about today's episode and the idea of getting away. Lauren uh, had a great experience this past year of uh, getting away and getting off the grid. Lauren, can you tell us uh, a little bit about what you did and um, how just kind of the, the details of, of what you did and how that played out? Absolutely. So I am a mom, I am a wife, I am a business owner and an adventurer. And when you kind of combine all those things and go into a pandemic, uh, <laughs> trying to you know, live a life where you're enjoying every moment and not so focused on, you know, what's 10 steps ahead, but what's in the now. We really had to think back, think about what's going to be meaningful through this time and how can we make the most of, of something that's going to be challenging. And so um, I'm also really extroverted and have to be around people. So to lock me up and, and say you need to stay in your home just seems so, so ridiculous for me. Um, but I also wanted to be very safe and you know, make sure that, that we stayed healthy. Originally we said, well, how could we go see our families? But you know, we, have, we have aging parents and so actually traveling to see them didn't make a whole lot of sense. So we said, well, let's use the time that we have and make the most of it by exploring our country in a very safe way, being very self-contained in a, a travel trailer um, and go see our national parks and um, kind of see things that are a bit off grid while still being able to remotely connect to our school and to our workplaces. Um, and so we pulled that off. We spent three months on the road. Uh, we traveled all the way up to Glacier National Park, uh, which wow. is in Northern Montana, and all the way down to Big Bend National Park, which borders Mexico. So we have seen a lot <laughs> and it's been an, a tremendous wow. adventure. So three months checked out, was that I mean, what, what issues did you have when you had this idea, what issues did, did you have to consider as you were trying to plan this out? Well, we still need to be productive citizens yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and our, our children need to learn and we need to bring in some sort of income. And so um, being able to connect Monday through Friday to our work and our schools was important. Our school actually gave us an option to stay remote for the entire year and not have to kind of battle the choices of, do we, do we go in, um, you know, should we be together with other students or just stay remote? And when we realized we had that opportunity to, to do that, um, you know, it was a tough choice just to say, well, our kids aren't gonna get to see their other friends this year, but to do something different um, was, was kind of the right choice for us. And I know that not every family would wanna make that choice. And, um, you know, our kids have certainly struggled this year with missing friends and um, just missing a classroom format. I think we all as parents go, uh, how are we going to make this work? And it has not been picture perfect by any means, but, um, but yeah, we kind of said, all right, well, um, let's figure out if we can, if we can do school. And so we packed up and right before the school year, actually middle August, um, we had never even been in an RV. We had no idea what we were doing at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, we didn't know how to spell rv actually we really <laughs> right no we didn't know what a travel trailer was and that's basically when you can tow a trailer behind you and so yeah. you don't like you know it's um it allowed us to have an suv that we could um 
can actually be in and that became a meeting room. So, so we had the separate SUV space. And then what's cool is once you kind of found a campsite, you kind of plunk down there, leave the travel trailer, then be able to drive the, the SUV into different, different places you want to explore. So if you need to drive into town, you didn't have to drive into town with a 30 foot trailer behind you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to get ice cream with this mass. And where's a huge parking uh, spot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we definitely had our, our incidents of crashing into a few things here and there, but you know, it's- uh, Did you really? RVs are funny because there's so many uh, things that go, go wrong on a constant basis. And, you know, you got to pump the waste and time your showers and all that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, the less glamorous parts of it, uh, you know, we, we learned. Um, but, and we actually did have an incident where a leaf spring fell down and was dragging in the road um, and sparks were flying everywhere. And we were, we were in Texas and going, um, we were about to go to like this really remote uh, lake. And yeah, on our way there, we just broke down and we were in Italy, Texas of all places. <laughs> And broke down the side of the road. An oxymoron, if I've and ever heard it. That's a little contradiction. Of terms. <laughs> oh yeah, but <laughs> but I will say, I mean, it was one of those moments, and in such a life lesson for for us and our children. Uh, we broke down the side of the road. We had no, and it was a Saturday, so like you know, and and you can't actually tow a big trailer like this. It has to be kind of fixed there and then, or it has to be dragged somewhere. So um, the you know, we, we were really reminded of how good people can be because um, some kindred spirits pulled over and they saw that we had a family and were broken down and said, okay, we're going to just take care of you today. And mm. so they, they helped us kind of tow, tow us to their driveway and did the repair with us that day and got us on the road within like four hours. Um, That's amazing. But it, it was so great. And then we, of course, were like, well, you know, we want to I'm going to pay you for, for your time and efforts here. And they were like, absolutely not. Just pay us forward. Uh, and, cool. and it was just so kind. I mean, Texas, Texans are great, but it's just a good reminder that, you know, people are still kind out there. It was right in the heart of the election too. And not, wow. not necessarily the healthiest time in America, but uh, it was really awesome to see that people were willing to help the family out. Yes. So like in that regard, in that regard, did you, did you feel like, I mean, there's so many, modern amenities that you were talking about. Did you feel like you were really off the grid? Because it sounds like, you know, you guys were still so connected in so many different ways. Like, what did you feel? Yeah, yeah, we made it a point to go a little further off the grid on the weekends because yeah, we still were so connected in. I mean, we had we had four different hotspots going in our camper um, at, at any given time. We were all on Zoom. So it did not feel like we, we really got away. But, um, but yeah, on the weekends, we would do something called boondocking, which is going completely off grid. You're not connected to anything. You're not at a campsite. You're in the, in the woods completely um, and new. really alone. And <laughs> absolutely. Just yeah. like, a fam- like a family does. <laughs> it's like a commune. It sounds very hippie. Um, but yeah. Clothes yeah, are just out, an illusion van, anyways. I'm on the river. Yeah. Um, yeah, Boom well, I, I will say you... we didn't wash our clothes too often. We were pretty stinky by that time. I mean, it's probably a good thing that there was a pandemic because you wouldn't want to smell us. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing, I'm, I, as I'm hearing these stories, is they're not, um, you know, the, 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 your breakdown wasn't easy. It sounds like there's other stories that are similar challenges you went through, um, you know, boondocking and smelling like that, but you're lighting up as you're. <laughs> 
telling these stories, right? Like these are, these are within you now, right? They're stories of joy. And why do, why do you think that, you know, on a trip like this, that even the challenges, if you had that challenge, if your water heater broke down at your house, if your, uh, you know, toilet sprung a leak and you had to replace the flooring, that kind of thing at your house, you would not light up when you told those stories. But why do you think it's different in the, in the case that you're talking <laughs> yeah. about? You're right that it's now part of our, our collective family memory. And I think that's something that we all have to strive to be building is figuring out what are those impressions you want to leave on your kids? What are those stories that we'll continue to tell as a family for years? And the kindness of that family is what stood out in, in that story. And so, yeah, it stinks that, you know, we had a breakdown, but we have breakdowns every, you know, it seems like every day, especially nowadays. So how do you find the good in the situation and kind of learn from it together? Um, But yeah, we've, as we look back on the trip and it's funny now that I'm hearing my kids get asked about, Oh, well, tell me what was your favorite park or what was your favorite experience? And some of the things take my breath away in terms of the things that all of a sudden they, they share with others about um, what, what they'll take to heart from the experience of us being together like this. So, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, I could never do that. And I have to say, well, why, like what's holding you back? And sometimes it's, it's, you know, where a person is in their career, but it's often like, I couldn't be that close to my husband for, (laughs) for three months. Um, and how did she already listen to the podcast, Ralph? That's amazing. That was Jamie's only excuse. Jamie's only excuse was I couldn't be with my family for that long. Wait a minute. minute. Something which actually inhibits you from doing something is not an excuse. It is a total wall. I can't get past it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love Um, everybody, but that's close quarters. We're, we're in really close quarters. We had to give, um, both my husband and I took turns through the trip of, um, you know, because he's extremely introverted. So as extroverted as I am, there's times when he just needs downtime and quiet. And mm. so um, he's, he's an endurance athlete and coach and loves running mountains. So, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'd be like, okay, go run a mountain, go have fun, take the day. And, you know, I got things covered back here at, <laughs> at the campsite. So we what would definitely of- take time to get away. No, is that, I'm, I'm curious if, um, like, what did you learn about one another from this experience or didn't, were there any revelations about, you know, the relationship or yourself that, um, that came only because you took this trip? There are plenty. Yeah. I think, um, knowing how to find the calm because in our lives, we're perpetually racing to do that next thing, Yeah, but I think as a family, we figured out how to hit the pause button when we needed to. And even, you know, back now into, into our reality, into our kind of day-to-day lives, figuring out how to say, all right, um, it's time for us to, to go just breathe together. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we'll go meditate together or go down to the beach, go surf together, go, go for a hike together. Um, you know, we've, we've learned to um, speak up when we each need those moments and sometimes we need them together. Sometimes we need them apart. Um, but I think it gave us, gave us a chance to be more reflective of, uh, what we need to be as a family mm-hmm. and that that was deeply meaningful. I mean, that's something that now it's priceless yeah, um, beautiful. that we were able to do that. Thanks for asking that. Yeah. It's, uh, so Jamie. I guess in that regard, would you, if you were given the choice, would you do it again right now? If they said you can go, 
I don't know, can you go? Are you ready to go? <laughs> Could you do it? <laughs> um, we have a project we're working on in our driveway. We're actually building a sprinter van, um, hopefully for a family that wants to do something similar. Um, so that project is kind of grounding us because, you know, literally we're installing windows and building up, um, building a shower in a van, <laughs> doing things we never thought we would do. Once that's sold, though, we're going to jump back on the road. And absolutely. I mean, I would if we didn't have that project, I would probably be on the road right now. But we didn't get a chance because there were fires in California when we started our trip. So we didn't get to go up the coastline and get to Oregon. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm hungry to go see that part of our country. And um, that's our next trip, hopefully this summer. But yeah, I would do it in a, again in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, I think I need like three more feet. I learned that, you know, <laughs> 26 feet is tough. <laughs> I need like three more. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually, we just needed a wall because we didn't have a wall. We had no walls. And we had two dogs right. with us as well, including a really big golden retriever. So oh, we were just all tripping on each other all the time. And uh, yeah, it would have been nice to just, you know. <laughs> it's like you were the suitcase the whole time. That's, a, that's hard. It's awesome. <laughs> it sounds like though that um, from, what, from what you've been saying, like so there were issues, you know, in your head when, you, when the idea came about money, school, work, staying connected, keeping your clothes clean, that kind of stuff. Um, but it sounds like it was... Yeah you know, inevitably, or not inevitably, but it was ultimately more worthwhile, you know, and it makes me wonder if sometimes we hold so tightly to things that we've just, you know, fabricated and made up that, that, you know, like we've done for survival, we make money to do better and survive and do the things we like, but then we don't do the things we like because we're so stuck in our job or are making money. Uh -huh. Right. Or we're attached to our home or our mortgage or our things. A lot of yeah. times, you know, I couldn't, you know, how did you pack for that? And my husband still makes fun of me because I packed like every spice we have in our home uh -huh. as if I'm going to make like gourmet meals on this tiny, <laughs> tiny little. <laughs> and like, yeah. He's like, why do you have, you know, Chipotle? I'm like, cause we need that. Like, you know, um, we'll see. We'll see. I'll use every spice. Um, yeah. And, and just certain things like, do you really need this? Um, do you really need 20 pairs of shoes? Probably not. You might be okay with two. Um, and that when we, it was funny because we actually rented out our home when, when we were on this trip. And uh, when we rented it, we kind of decluttered and put all of our personal belongings into our garage and locked up our garage. Mm -hmm. And when we got home, we didn't want them back. We mm -hmm. were like, let's just trash. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, there's certain obviously sentimental things we wanted to keep but it just was such a good reminder. Like it's so much nicer when it's simple. And it's like the, everything that was of value was with us. We had our kids, we had our dogs. We we're pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that Marie Kondo uh, method of, uh, of decluttering, right? You pick up an object and you say, does, it, does this bring me joy? And if the answer is no, you, you either get rid of it or uh, give it away or something. But yeah, it's amazing what we hold on to. And you're talking about stuff. You're talking about um, money and work. And again, all of those things are important, but uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's liberating to hear how much joy you got out of just letting go of what, you know, what wasn't important and dealing with, okay, there will be issues. There will be these challenges that we'll have along the road. Um, but addressing a, a question mark of, of a challenge but getting, you know, the joy of those family memories and those things you learned 
are well worth it. And even the challenges became, it sounds like, you know, wonderful spiritual moments, I would call them not, not mm. in a way where there's, you know, a, a one God do, doing it all, but you were connected with something much greater than, um, you know, trying to fix your, uh, your van at that point, you were connected with the kindness of a stranger, which is something that, you know, we humanity often misses you. It was a very spiritual moment. You were connected with um, being totally humbled and rocked to your core and fear that was, what if we're here at night and wolves come out and eat us? The Italian Texas wolves come out and attack us. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, and, and I think we miss those opportunities just because we get so fixed on, like you said, the stuff in our garage, the money we got to make, the school assignments we got to frustrate over and Man, I, but it's pretty cool when after school you can, you know, we drove out after school into Yellowstone and had, you know, bison walking next to our car and we we're like, hey, bison, this is cool. Um, so we celebrated a lot of those, those delights of, you know, getting a chance to, to see animals that we hadn't ever seen before um, or connect with our land and the history and cultures that have come before us. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, we had a lot of those moments when, you know, and, and really trying to teach our kids about indigenous cultures and go to some places where we made that a priority of saying, hey, not everything looks the way it does in Southern California. It's, you need to start seeing things uh, from a different perspective and seeing how other people live and what kind of homes they live in and uh, what, um, what they were born into, mm -hmm. where, mm -hmm. I think sometimes we're just so entitled and, and I have to step back and say, hey, how do I make sure my kids are exposed to things that are different than what they've had? Um, so that they ultimately have respect for others because they've, they've seen it and, and start trying to wear other people's shoes a bit more. Yeah, and how old are your kids? Seven and nine. They are vivacious boys. <laughs> and the only kind that are good. <laughs> I'm amazed. I have my daughters are uh, my two older ones are similar age. I'm amazed with just how quick, how much younger, at least my experience is that that I was not this stressed out and overworked at that age as they are. And it seems like they're missing the same, you know, the, those experiences of, like you said, uh, where we come from and uh, nature and the beauty of strangers and that kind of stuff. I, I'm amazed by that, that we miss out on that. So you're right. And kind of saying, well, heck with school, because uh, they're, they're going to have that the rest of their lives. We're all in our forties and it's like, okay, this has been happening for 40 years. You know, they'll get plenty of this, uh, you know, stress and overwork and grind. Let's give them something that's going to you know, sustain and nourish them in a little different way. That's amazing that they got that. Yeah, so I think what, that's a big lesson coming back to kind of what, what have I taken from the trip? That's a big one where now I'm a lot more intentional about how do I make sure we create those experiences because school only gives them one part of that, right? But it's like, well, where, where are we going on a regular basis now? How do we integrate this into our real lives so that it's not just like, oh, we spent three months doing this, but it's like, oh no, we're going out to places that we don't normally go to to experience a culture or experience, you know, a type of food or um, just do something that's different. Yeah. Making sure to integrate it and make it sustainable for your daily life. So every year, everyone's not just craving, okay, we got to go away for three months again, you know, getting out of this, but how's mm -hmm. it normal is important. I like that. Is there something, if you, if you could take two things, one, 
what was the, what was that? I mean, I know people probably asked you like, what are the highlights, but is there something that really sticks out, you know, that you saw that was really, you know, the thing that was the pinnacle of the experience of being out and when you were out was, what was the thing that you probably longed for and missed the most? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so two different questions. Easy questions. Yeah. Those are, those are great question. big questions, <laughs> but a couple things come to mind. Uh, we went up through Idaho and Wyoming. And when we were in Wyoming, we stopped at um, a national park uh, called Tetons. And we hiked as a family around this lake and we're told, hey, go down this path. There's another small lake down here. You're, you might see moose, it's called Moose Lake. <laughs> Hopefully you'll see one. And we did, we got to like watch um, this moose, they, they dive really deep into the water and come up and it's just, they're, they're so cool. Moose are just like the coolest animal. Moose and can dive? They can dive Jeez. down deep. Yeah, they can dive like 18 feet down. It's I would crazy. have never, I would have told you you were crazy. If... They're really That's just impressive. amazing just beasts of animals. And I had not, even growing up in New England and taking trips to Maine, I'd never seen moose. And so when I encountered it and, you know, we all kind of saw it as a family and we're like, oh, that's it, look at that guy. Um, it was just so delightful and, and just kind of um, reminded me of that feeling of seeing something for the first time. Because most of the trip I was like, oh yeah, here's a lake, here's this, you know. And, um, mm -hmm. But when, when you kind of see something you haven't before, it's pretty magical. Um, and then another magical moment, which I didn't expect, you know, we were kind of like started checking off national parks off this list. And, and then it was like, all right, what's next? Oh, another tree, another whatever. But we went to um, Great Sand Dunes National Park in Southern Colorado. And, um, you know, we're beach people, we like sands. Um, Great Sand Dunes is, is like the beach with no waves or water or anything. But but what's cool Sounds is kind of you, sad to me, but whatever. It's sad, right? I know that's kind of what I expected too. But you can rent snowboards and sleds, oh, so we yeah. totally yeah. did. We rented one of each, and um, and we hiked up to like the you know the, as high as we could get everybody on this peak, and totally snowboarded and, and went sledding uh, down this hill, and it was so fun. I mean, we were screaming, and <laughs> it was just you know, fun to kind of take the leap of faith down a, a big sand dune uh, and, and just push each other and, and have fun. Um, so I think that those elements of magic and fun um, are things I'll, I'll always treasure. So those were my kind of my awe of like exciting, you know, aside from the breaking down part that I told you. Right, right. Those are great. The thing that your, that your other question, Jamie, was the- I Just the what, did you, that, what did you miss the most? Was there one thing that's, that you sort of were like, gosh, if I only had, I don't know, uh, a Philly cheesesteak, I don't know what it would be, but like something that you missed a lot that you kept, that kept coming up for you. <laughs> not a Philly cheesesteak. Not a Philly cheesesteak. Wouldn't cheese be for me either because they're not no. kosher, but I just like to throw that in there. Every yeah. Time. The, no, my the... husband's from Philly. So, you know, but no, I don't hey, think you, I know you guys me. have that in common. Yeah. He grew up in Westchester. Um, but um, no, didn't crave that. Um, and I mean, I, I crave my family. I still crave my family. I feel like that's the one thing. Like there are so many things that I was like, oh, it would have been so cool for my mom to see this. Um, you know, yeah. I wish I could just take people from my life and show them kind of what I'm seeing and just, uh, I still haven't seen my, my parents in, in a year. And that's hard. I think it's hard on all of us though. And that's not necessarily related to this trip, but it's just related to right. kind of where we are as a society right now. Just, um, yeah, how do you kind of bring bring your family closer. That's what I miss the most. Um, mm, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, certain foods too. I wasn't eating as much seafood in the middle of the country. So yeah, I'm a big ocean person. I feel like we're all incredibly privileged to have lived and grown up near the ocean because yeah, when, when, you know, when you don't realize how seafood, so it's just different in the middle of the country or like lake seafood is just, it's weird. It tastes dirty all the time for some reason. (laughs) What are you eating, Ralph? (laughs) I'm frightened for you. Don't eat dirty seafood. Don't do that. No, just little, you know, fish with three eyes and minnows and that kind of thing you know just pull them up yeah. out of the out of a dirty pond that's all there's there is some well, good like seafood it's I not yes the- it's just different it's i don't know i mean you grow up you, you grow up grabbing a lobster right out of the ocean and eating it there's nothing that compares i agree <laughs> i just got some cockle clams this weekend and made oh, them yeah. spaghetti and they were so good i was like man this just reminds me of rhode island so much and I start missing that. And then I was, of course, jittery because I missed the waves and the surfing. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so you're doing it again, it sounds like. Um, do you have any um, other than like like destinations and, and details that you want to accomplish, things you want to accomplish, which seem like, you know, kind of that right brain stuff. Um, what's the left brain? What's the creative stuff that you might want to focus on or try and learn more from or that kind of thing? Do you have any of those goals maybe for your next trip? Yeah, I think the next trip will be summertime. So my kids will not have to connect into Mm -hmm. school and that will shift the nature of our trip and what our agenda will look like. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't really have downtime because we were still doing Monday through Friday we didn't take it like vacation. And I think that's one thing people assume is like, oh, you're on a three month vacation. I'm like, oh no, we were not. Um, we mixed in, yeah. you know, in this with into our lives. But I think being intentional about saying we're going to take this time um, where we can maybe do more in terms of um, spending the time that we want to, to kind of be, I'd say be more intentional about, um, using that time to strengthen our family and not mm-hmm. to say that we didn't do that, but I think doing more of that would be something we do. I also brought my guitar with this intention, like, Oh, I've got all this time, like to like, you know, teach my kids how to play. And yeah, like that was the stupidest thing. Cause it's a big old guitar that I brought. Yeah, I was going to say that there goes, there goes another three feet right there from the camper. Yeah. <laughs> and a- I mean, I just, I did not take it out enough. I'm not now like this, like, really proficient guitarists it it collected some dust i will say so um it seems like very it's a very um you know it's a very much like a work oriented like what are my goals on this trip my goal is to learn guitar (laughs) i'm really to do nothing check these things check these visits off the list and it's like okay but some of those things are good because they're fun they're kind of the release but also if you're too stuck to the goals you're just holding on to what you are trying to get away from just in a new, right. In a new way, right. in, in essence. Absolutely. Right. Well, it's like setting your new year's resolutions and being like, all right, I'm going to become this, like, I'm going to read, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to do all this stuff. I mean, I did that going into the camper. I'm like, I brought, you know, five books with me and I brought the guitar and I was like, yep. okay, well, the kids are going to do these art projects. And so um, part of the overpacking was, was all yeah. this stuff of intention of like, well, I, I dream we can do this, but the reality comes in of like, all right, if we do some of it, that's great. But 
I'm yeah, not going like, to beat myself up because we didn't like create masterpieces while we were also trying to do school work and drive 10,000 miles. Like, yeah, like it's <laughs> like getting happens. in the way of the getting in the way of what's right in front of you, you know, being fully present in the moment. Jamie, you remember when we went to Hatteras and Lou brought his scale and was like hyper vigilant about what he ate and how many workouts he did and what, how much he weighed at any given moment. So much so that he would like, he would walk away from like a, a game, a board game or whatever we were doing to go like weigh himself. And I thought, why are you even on this trip? Like, just just you know do you remember that and he just wasn't it, it felt like he was you're never asking me you're asking me about the guy i lived with who uh, asked everyone who how many times they had been to health services that semester oh, yeah, yeah i know the guy you're talking about he 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 was one he that he's that's him man he's a unique individual and that's he's gonna weigh himself no matter where he is no matter what vacation no matter what but I think it's kind of what Lauren's saying. It's it's like, you know, if, if you've got the goals and they're fun, great. But if you're so focused that you're missing out on like sure. the joy of your kids, you know, if they're playing and trying to get you involved and you're like, I need to learn this damn guitar riff before 3.30 <laughs> because of some made How are we going to play at the, at, the, at the bonfire tonight if I don't know the song? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah, good. What it all works in progress that way. Yeah, I didn't know that about Lou. He was, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's run. he he's a, he's a he he right now. We've talked about this before on the show, but he runs uh, ultra marathons. That's what he does right now. So he is he is hardcore into uh, physical conditioning. So it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. I feel like he's one of the people, though. If you said you know go away for three months without internet and he would just, it would be like, that would be like the worst punishment for someone like that. Mm. That would be like, yeah, it could, there's some truth to that. There's some truth <laughs> to that. It seems like Jamie does not want to go there. <laughs> you know, Lou probably I doesn't listen to, to this. He doesn't have time to listen to this nonsense, <laughs> yeah. right? He's, he's out there about? weighing that, himself. You can't know. That guy is, that guy is on a bike more than anyone else that I know in the world. He can listen to any podcast he wants. He's like running and biking. You but my guess is, my guess is while he's on his bike, he's listening to legal reviews in order to, you know, help his business, help his uh, career better. For not sure. For goofy sure. podcasts from his buddies in college. That's, that's all I'm saying. He's <laughs> triple, probably he's, right. he's triple tasking at the same time. Too funny. Jamie, what was your hang up with wanting to, or not going on a trip like this? What scares you? No, so that, I'm telling you just right now we live, I mean, I, you're in a house, correct? Am I, am I correct to assume that you live in a house? Yes. And, and Ralph, home, you yes. also live in a house. Yes. 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 And I have house. hair. And, and you have uh, hair. Great. Yes. And we ch check, check, check. We live in a, an apartment where right now we're, we're overrun by 60 boxes because we're moving and we don't have any space not to be on each other. And any, any idea of being closer and like more in a smaller space with my family right now makes me start to hyperventilate. That's just where I am in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have that? It and, sounded uh, like you did, Lauren. Um, hyperventilating because of space, not having space. Uh, there are moments. Well, it was you actually guys our could, dog. You guys could spill out. You could spill out into a campsite. You know what I mean? It wasn't as bad as I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like living in a camper and like never leaving a camper. There, you know what I mean? Like that would just drive me do that. Yeah. It was amazing. The people I met out on the road were pretty passionate homeschoolers. And so mm -hmm. I'm, your kids never get a break from you. I mean, sure, as parents, it's exhausting, yeah. but 
you know, that's uh, maybe they want to break from you. How's that? I don't think about that. How much do my kids want to get away from me and they won't be able to get away from me? <laughs> yeah. Well put. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, um, it's interesting to going to campsites where, you know, they're often run by um, retirees who mm-hmm. get very mm-hmm. passionate about their campsites and, you know, they drive around on golf carts and, um, you know, leave us little love notes that say like, your kids were running. <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah, were, we're outside. One uh, their kids. <laughs> <gonna get> it. <laughs> yeah. Your kids were oh, breathing yeah. yesterday. Do you mind? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they run their kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We definitely um, stirred up some trouble at, at RV parks <laughs> regularly. <laughs> but, but again, those are going to be great stories. I mean, you'll remember those at dinner tables and, and their weddings and deathbed conversations will be about this trip. And that's the beautiful part of it. Right. It's Thank like, you. Yeah. Hopefully many trips. Yeah. We want to do some big things in their life. And yeah, luckily we're, we're hopefully, you know, we're, we're grateful that we have our health and you know have the ability to do something like this so i hope it's yeah what a gift well thanks for sharing it with us and and everybody listening it's uh hopefully a joy for others but it was just uh rewarding for me to see your delight Mm -hmm. and that you're you know you're you're honestly taking that intentional leap uh into something that you know it sounded like it was a little scary and a lot of details to figure out but it's worth it, you know, and, and if you're really measuring, if, if the, the measuring tape you're using for success in life is more about those memories, those stories, your family, the connectedness, then, I mean, you're getting farther and uh, feeling better than if you're measuring tape or something else. And so I think I loved hearing it and thank you for, for joining us today. Thanks. Thank well, I appreciate you encouraging that conversation. It's a lot of fun for me to tell tell a story and, and share our insights. So if any of your listeners are looking for help in terms of taking that leap, I'm always, always happy to be a resource and, and help others as they, you know, do their best to explore connecting with nature and connecting with their families. Cool. Cool. Thanks so much, Lauren. And thanks so much, everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time.